When God gave you and I choice, he wrapped that choice in the immense persuasion of his love. You know what he's doing? He's trying to say, guys, know how much I love you. Know how much I love you. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I've got a, a brand new series we're going to start today, and, and I, I pray it encourages you. I have been, am I forgetting anything? Seems like we've done an awful lot this morning. I know that it's a typo. I, I put the whole series together and, I, and uh, I, I take the notes and I change them and I change the titles and I change this. And so this says part four. It's really part one. Part four will happen in four weeks. But, uh, and so, I don't know, I caught that after it had already went to print. So I know we get some folks every once in a while, they say, Pastor, can we get this in the bulletin? Can we get that in the bulletin? Uh, If we don't know about it by Monday, chances are the answer will be no. Because we go to print on Wednesday and we got to fix everything between Monday and Wednesday. And uh, guess what we didn't get fixed? Part four. And it is all proofed. You know, I proof it. Pastor Ray proofs it. Pastor Philemon proofs it. Well, I couldn't proof it this week. And Pastor Ray was out of sorts this week. So let's blame Pastor Philemon. <laughs> You're welcome. We've got to blame somebody. I've been talking to a lot of people here uh, as a pastor, and it just seems as of late there's a lot of people concerned about the stuff that's going on. And, and you know one of the questions that I ask them is I ask them about their relationship with God. And I, and I say this very respectfully, but a, a friend of my wife and mine years and years ago at the church she got saved in, he used to say that the church of Jesus Christ is a mile wide and an inch deep. And part of that is, is because we don't spend any time in God's word. So today I've asked, I've asked Bob in putting the announcements up to leave a lot of the scripture off the screen because I want you to turn to it. We're going to spend the morning in the book of Psalms and there's going to be several other scriptures, but there's some will be on the screen. Some won't be on the screen. And basically what I'll do is I'll just highlight after I read uh, what the scripture says and, and expound upon it. But what I want us to do folks is I want us in this series to get to know God a little bit better. I've titled this series, All the Losers Win. And people have said, what, what, what do you mean, all the losers? I mean, losers lose. No. When you and I became a Christian, we lost the responsibility of sin because Jesus took it on the cross with him. We lost the probability of hell because Jesus paid the price that we wouldn't have to go there. We also lost the potential of us doing anything on our own because it's only through him do we have strength and victory and ability. 
Am I making any sense? But in talking to a lot of people, is I find that most people don't, I say most people, many Christians don't really even know that. They think somehow that they're responsible for their sin. Now, if you remain living in sin, yeah, you're responsible. Because the Bible says, let him that sin, or let him that stole, steal no more. He that knows to do good does it not to him, it's sin. And it says, with whatever is not of faith is sin. So God tells us we're supposed to live a life of faith. Peace does not exclude problems. And we somehow think because we have problems that God couldn't possibly be there. Well, I was praying about this series and, and this song, I haven't, I bet I haven't sang this song in, in 20 years or longer. But this song just jumped out at me and I really felt the Lord said, you need to tell the people how I feel about them. And so this song was probably the best way that I could think of doing that. seen you hide your fears you're embarrassed by your weaknesses afraid to let me near I wish you knew how much I long for you to understand no matter what may happen child I never let go of your hand Though you've been forsaken by those you've known before, when you failed their expectations, they frowned and closed the door. Listen to me. Even if your heart itself should lose the will to stand, no matter what may happen, child, Never let go of your hand The life that I have given you No one could take away I've sealed it with my spirit Blood and word The everlasting Father Has made this covenant with you He's stronger than the world you've seen and heard. So don't you fear to show them all the love. I have for you. And I'll be with you everywhere and everything you do. And even if you do it wrong And you miss the joy I've got planned No matter what may happen, child Never let go of your hand The life that I have given you No one could take away I've sealed it with my spirit Blood and word, the everlasting Father, He's made this covenant with you. He's stronger than the world you've seen and heard. So, listen, don't ever be afraid to show them all the love that He has for you. He said that he'll be with us everywhere in everything that we do. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I do it wrong. And I miss the joy that he's got planned. But 
you know what I do? I remember this promise. He'll never, never let go of my hand. Never let go of my hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Over 20 years and I still can't do it without crying. I I just want to take you real simply into a message I've titled Knowing God and God's Promise. And that promise is simple, folks. He's always there. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are, he said, I'll be with you. And one of the main keys to living a victorious Christian life is you got to learn to trust that. you got to learn to trust that he has a desire towards you like no one on this earth. And probably the most comforting thing that I have ever found is knowing that the one I love and who loves me is committed to me. That covenant that he'd always be there with me. And to build that Christian life, that victorious Christian life, I have to develop the truth of understanding that I have to trust. I have to trust. Now, I'm going to say a truth that I want you to grab a hold of, and I don't want you to get offended. Are you ready? Look at somebody and say, he's going to talk to me now. He's going to get right down to where I live. Go ahead, tell somebody. Boy, y'all talk soft. You ready? This is a deep one. You are going to blow it. Well, I'm not talking about already this morning. You've done that a few times, but you are going to make a mistake. He already did the typo. (laughs) Folks, and you know what? God's not going to throw you out left field and say, okay, I'm done with you. I love when Paul was writing to the church of Galatia. And he said, so now that you know God, and I'm reading this out of the New, New Living Translation. It's on the screen. Or should I say, God knows you. Why do you want to go back? I I, I find people all the time that when they mess up, they say, what's the sense? And they want to throw in the towel and quit. Folks, God loves his children. Regardless of a host of variables. If we were to march everyone in this room across this platform and told us everything you had done wrong today, we'd be here until next month. Yet it is so amazing how many of us really don't trust him. He said, Pastor, I I do trust him. No, folks, the truth is is we have lots of Jesus fans, but not many Jesus followers. Okay? If you're truly committed to Christ, you become a disciple. But a lot of fans, a lot of people like Jesus. I mean, my goodness, just go to the football game, go to the basketball game, go to one of the games. They hold up John 3, 16 all over the place. Of course, they got to put down their beers and their anchovies and all this other stuff to do that. Or whatever they have at baseball games. I don't know. Peanuts. There you go. Where do you get anchovies at? Pizza. Pizza. We got to, folks, when you become a child of God, which is what you have to be to be saved, that only happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay. The the reality, when, when the scripture says in Galatians 4, that now that you know God, or rather God knows you, when you become a Christian, 
that's when God focuses on you. Until that time, you're just somebody living life. You say, I mean, God doesn't know me. God knows everyone. But until you make a decision to accept his son, you're just a guy and a gal going through life. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that we become the sons of God. So let me jump you into the book of Psalms. I told you I was going to spend the day there. And I want you to look at Psalm 63, 1 through 8. Oh God, you are my God. Listen to what the psalmist starts out with. He first, he calls out to God and then he personalizes it. You are my God. When's the last time that you, in your prayer time, actually talked to God like he's a dear friend? Like he's dad? Like you have a relationship with him? That nothing on this earth, I love my wife incredibly. But she doesn't hold a pencil to the love I have for God. And look at what the psalmist writes here. Oh, God, you are my God. And then let me ask you, I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to to say anything. But I want you to look at the description of how the psalmist talks about that relationship with God and see where you fit. Look what he says. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts. For you, my whole body longs for you as in a parched, weary land where there is no water. You know what he's saying? I'm going to die without you, God. I can't make it a moment. I can't make a, 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 a sip without you. He said, I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon the power of your glory, your unfailing Love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I praise you as long as I live with my hands lifted up. I praise you. God, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I praise you within the songs of joy. Look look at this. Listen listen to this psalmist. He says, I lie awake at night thinking only of you. Does this sound like somebody that has a relationship with someone? I meditate on you throughout the night. My wife and I got up early to go to the the Bible marathon to read scripture. And I woke up about three and immediately I started thinking about my father. I started to think about, I started praying. I started thanking him, just laying there in bed. And then he started bringing your names, many in this room to mind, many that are not in this room to mind. I prayed. I finally, finally got out of bed about four o'clock and, and uh, got showered and got ready for the day. And then, you know, just, just spending time praying, thanking, meditating. And then he said these words, because I know that you're my helper. You're my covering. I cling to you because I know you are my Strong right hand, and you hold me securely. What have I just described? The relationship he wants us to have with him. That's that's how he wants you to look at him. That's how he wants you to think of him. This is the picture of one who knows God. That no matter what happens, they won't give in, they won't give up, they won't give out. No, but literally they will jump in, lift up and stand out because they know that God, no matter what, is going to be there. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, we can't even please God. Oh, I mean. I don't know how much faith I have. 
You know, the Bible says it could be the size of a grain of mustard seed. Oh, it's not the seed that's the issue, folks. It's the fact that God says if you just love him, he'll turn your whole world into a glorious menagerie of life. Why? Because he says those who come to God has to believe that he is. But look at these three three words. He is, four words, a rewarder. If we diligently just seek after him. You know, he's longing to pour himself out upon us. You say, well, pastor, I don't deserve it. I, you know, folks, get in line. I'm the head of the I don't deserve it crowd. But you know what it says in 2 Timothy? It says, even when we're faithless, when we fall short, when we miss the joy he's got planned, look what it says there. It said he remains faithful. How many, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now. I'm going to put you on the spot. How many have made a mistake since you've become a Christian? Well, we got half of you honest people. The rest of you didn't raise your hands. My goodness, I, could, I should have let you have the pulpit. You're a whole lot holier than me. Okay, not a trick question. How many made a mistake since you become a Christian? Okay, good. I was waiting for the ground to open up and just swallow people that wouldn't be honest up. God says, even when you're faithless, I remain faithful. Can somebody get excited this morning? Let me take you through the Psalms. Let me take you through the Psalms. I can't take you through all 150 of them. Uh, it was exciting. Uh, last night, my wife and I were there, and we were reading, and we read for golly an hour and a half, and we read a whole bunch of the Psalms, and, and we got about, I don't know, 18, 20 chapters into Proverbs, and, and it was just an exciting, exciting time reading through, reminding myself of God's Word. You know, that's what you do when you read the Bible, is your spirit is being reminded of all the promises, all the hope, all the glory God has just for you. Now, folks, I'm going to keep on like this until somebody gets excited in the house, okay? Look look, look at the 23rd Psalm. We all know the, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But, folks, I don't want to start there. I want to start in the third verse. But remember, he, he, oh God, my God. Look what he says. He said, I restore your soul. I lead you in paths of righteousness sake. And he said, I do it because of me. He said, yeah, you're going to walk through a few valleys, but it's only going to be a shadow of death. You know what I learned a long time ago? A shadow of a snake can't bite you. A shadow of a boxer can't hit you. It's only a shadow God said, yeah, you're going to walk through this thing, but you're not going to live in it. No place in my Bible do I say he said to build a house and live in it. He said, walk through it. One man famously said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Did he just cuss in church? Folks, God didn't tell us to hang out in this shadow. And then I want you to underline these words. I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. You know what God is telling us here? He is saying, he is my salvation. He is my guide. He is my companion. He is my comfort. He is my strength. And look at this. He said, because of this, I got nothing to be afraid of. But I messed up. He said, I'm still faithful. Just return. Look at the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Underline this in your notes. Why should I be afraid? 23rd Psalm, 27th Psalm. You know, I can take you through all the Psalms. And one of the questions God asks, what are you afraid of? He's my fortress, protected me from danger. So why should I tremble? 
When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army will surround me, my heart will not be afraid. And then he throws us in here. Listen, even if I'm attacked, you know what he's saying? Even if I go through the struggle, if I go through the fire, if I go through the frustration, he said, I will remain confident. Literally, you know what he is saying? He is my encouragement. He is my hope. I was putting this together and I was getting encouraged. I was getting filled with hope and joy and peace. You see, these are the traits that are the heart of God's gift towards those who love him so much so the enemy has no certain victory over a man or a woman that knows their God. Look at the 46th Psalm. God's my safe place. God's my strength. He is always our help when we are in trouble. Anybody been in trouble? Oh my goodness, there it is again. And we don't have to be afraid. Is that in your, is that in your Psalm 246? Is that in there? Even if the earth is shaken, the mountains fall to the center of the sea. If the waters go wild with storm and the mountains shake with that, he said, I don't have to be afraid. You know what God is telling me? Listen, listen to this. He said, he is my refuge in the time of trouble. That you and I need to take comfort in knowing that he is always in the midst regardless of the situation, even if you caused it. I mean, God's there when I I mess up and it's my fault. Yeah. Pastor Gobble, you and I are going to get excited. I guess nobody else is getting excited, but you and me get excited, okay? Even when I mess up, God is still there. Kind of, you know, I, I kind of picture him tapping his foot and said, okay, what are you going to do about this one? Well, you know, God, I got it. And he's tapping his foot and said, how's that working out for you? The 91st Psalm. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. Same psalmist is telling us. He said, He alone is my refuge. He alone is my safety. He is my God. And underline these next few words, please. And I trust him. It says he'll protect me from every trap. He'll cover me with his feathers. He'll shelter me under his wings. His faithful promises are the armor that I stand under. His protection. Oh, and there it is again. So don't be afraid. He's not going no place. He said the terrors that come by night, don't worry about them. The arrows that fly by the day, don't dread the diseases, talks in the darkness or the disaster in the midday. Though a thousand will fall at your right side and 10,000 are dying all around you, it, the evils will not even come near you. If, underline this, ladies and gentlemen, if you make the Lord your refuge, you make the most high your shelter. He said, nothing can conquer you. No plague can come near you. 
He said, I'll charge my angels to protect you. They'll hold you up that you won't even dash your foot against a stone. The Lord says, I'll rescue those who love me. Can I tell you, I could tell my wife all day long, every day, 24, 7, 365, I love her. But if I don't show up and I don't come to her, if I don't spend time with her, how is she ever going to know? I've told people for years, how do you expect God to come to your house when you won't come to his? Oh, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Oh, I agree with you. But if you don't go to church, you won't stay a Christian. That's a fact of life, folks. There's too many things out there drawing us away. But God said, if you'll make me your refuge, I'll protect you. Look what he said. I'll protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer them. I will be with them in their time of trouble. I will rescue. I will honor them. I will reward them with long life. I'll give them salvation. You know what the common theme that I find running throughout the Psalms? Don't be afraid. Oh, pastor, what happens when I fall short? Rise up. And say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. You see, my Bible tells me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The last time I looked in the mirror, I didn't have a crown of thorns and I didn't have nail prints. That means I fall short. He didn't. Don't be afraid. In a psalm that I didn't include on the screen, but I included in your notes, is Psalm 121. You know what it says? He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's always watching over us. Let's continue on here. The 139th Psalm. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. Why do we try to cover up sin? Why do we try to, to make other people think that we're okay when we're not? Why would we rather go through it alone than bring God into our boat like I preached last week? The storms are raging. All he's saying is, saying, invite me in, invite me in. He said, I know everything about you. So much so, he said, I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life was recorded in a book before you were ever born. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He knows everything. But then he says, it's in your, it's in your notes there, church, how precious are your thoughts about me? They can't be numbered. I can't even count how God thinks about me. More than the grains of sand. And then I love the way this passage ends in verse 18. And God, when I wake up tomorrow morning, you're still with me. Folks, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to ask Sean to run around the room again. Folks, this, this is the epitome of encouragement. He knows everything about me and still loves me. But in your notes, and it's on the screen, look at me. He wants us to learn of him in the exact same way. Of all the books in the Bible... You want to you spend some time, 150 chapters. Very short chapters except for the 119th Psalm, which is very long. The book of Psalms is filled with the understanding of examination, eradication, and emancipation. 
He said, I want you to know, I have examined you, and I know you're pretty good. And you know what? If you'll call on me, I will eradicate everything, and I will emancipate you. I'll completely set you free. Can somebody say amen? And then I rest assured that he's not going to change his mind. 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary, when Jesus uttered those nine words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what he was telling me? I'm going to love you in spite of you. I'm not going to change my mind about you. Look at somebody and say, oh, thank God. It's good preaching, ain't it, Jenny? I'm going to love you in spite of you. Pastor Philip, even when I made a typo in the notes, he still loved me. Yeah, I know I tried to pass the buck on him, but I know that did it. Okay, it's, it's out. I'm confessed. I didn't want to go it alone. Frank, what do you think? Was that? That's pretty big of me, wasn't it? God knows everything. Hebrews 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, Malachi said, I am the God and I don't change. So if God tells you he loves you, get used to it. He ain't changing his mind. James 1 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God, comes from above, comes down from the fathers of lights. Listen to this. With whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. What's he saying? He has never changed his mind about the way he feels for us. And he isn't about to do it now. Change is man's greatest blessing. But it's also man's greatest challenge. Why? Because man's always changing. And I'm putting this on the screen because I want you to follow along. Because if I get your eyes off the notes, then I can get your eyes lifted, which means I can get them opened. Okay? Look at this screen. Change is good when a man is growing. But it's not good without God. Why? Because we're continually dying. Okay? Let me say it again. Change is good when a man is growing. But without God, change is bad. Because we're continually dying. So because we are continually changing, I've written down four things that help us to understand what I'm talking about here. We are told to stand firm. And it's it's written down. I left it in your notes. Hebrews 3, 6 said, Christ as son over his home house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the hope that we have in him, firm till the end. First thing, because everything's always changing around you, God says, Stand firm. The second thing that he tells us to do, be established. Hebrews 13, 9 tells us, do not be carried away with various or strange doctrines. I I teach this on Wednesday nights, and I talk about this on Sunday mornings. Folks, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it isn't the word of God. I don't care who stands up and preaches it. We have to be established by his grace. What is his grace? His power operating in us. The third thing, ladies and gentlemen, we're told to be immovable. Immovable. Knowing that nothing we do for God is in vain. Everything God promises to abound for his glory. And the last thing he told us, to use our time wisely. Now, I want you to look at me. Folks, this is the house to be filled up in. I go face all kinds of garbage every week. 
I spend every day with my God. Every morning, the first thing I do, I get up. Me and dad are having a conversation. And I talk to him like that. And you know, sometimes I'm moaning and groaning before God. I know none of y'all probably do that. But I do. I say, Dad, what's the deal? I'm dealing with this guy named Bill. What am I, God, Father, what am I doing? And then I start praying real heavily for you. I just, oh. But I, I do. I get up sometimes and, I, and I'm saying, God, what's all this stuff? And you know what God does? He reminds me of his word. He takes me in his word. He said, what are you afraid of? I got it all in control. Oh, I know what you're afraid of. You're trying to handle it yourself. Why don't you give it back to me? I do a better job. Oh, God, I'm tired. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to sleep tonight anyway. I'm going to stay up for you. See, I, I, I start my day that way. And I can, without even questioning, say that most of you don't. Oh, that's not a that's not a judgment. It's a question as to why. First thing that many of us do, we get up in the morning. Oh, let's see what's on Facebook. See if I get any messages. No messages. Now you spend the rest of the morning. Why didn't I get any messages? Can't say amen, say oh me. Why do I struggle so much? I put these next four things down to help us understand that reason. God placed man in the Garden of Eden for a purpose. Long before man was ever created, God created what I call an essence. And you know what that essence is? That essence is called choice. The first freedom God gave you and I was choice. Why do we struggle so much? Because we choose to. Now, don't get me wrong. You say, well, Pastor, I, did, I didn't choose these things. You know what happens when I'm struggling? I say, God, this is yours. I can't do anything about it anyway. And you know what that does to my struggle? Let's it. The last struggle you had, were you able to fix it? Now, I'm talking about a struggle. I'm talking about something that you don't have any ability to do anything about. Were you able to fix it? Did you give it to the one that could? Did you? He gave you and I that place, that essence called choice. You see, I've had people ask me, say, Pastor, why? Why doesn't God just take care of it? Because he gave it to you to decide what to do. You see, God had to let man choose this essence, if I can call it that. He had. But then what he did after he gave you that essence called choice, he filled it with an immense, immeasurable amount of his love. What he was doing was trying to set yourself up that you will realize how much he loves you before you make that choice. That you just run full on to him. Say, Dad, I don't know what to do. And the father says, I was hoping you'd get to that place. See, God knew if man were ever to learn to love, he would have to have the freedom 
to or not to love. So let me look at these things. To have the freedom of love means that we have to have the freedom or the choice to not love. Listen to me. To have the freedom of love means that we have to have the choice whether to or not to follow. To have the freedom of love means that we have to have the choice to or not to obey. It's the whole picture, folks. When God gave you and I choice, he wrapped that choice in the immense persuasion of his love. You know what he's doing? He's trying to say, guys, know how much I love you. Know how much I love you. Know how much I love you. But that's where the struggle begins. We don't know how much he loves us because we don't know him like he wants us to. Am I making any sense this morning? I read through the Psalms. Man, you talk about the love letter on fire. You see, what I've just outlined, this freedom of love means that we have to have a choice to or not to love, a choice to or not to follow, a choice to or not to obey. Ladies and gentlemen, in the Garden of Eden, we find that man used all of his freedom of choice and love. Listen to how he took it. He said, I choose not. When God gave you and I choice, he wrapped that choice in the immense persuasion of his love. You know what he's doing? He's trying to say, guys, know how much I love you. Know how much I love you. Know how much I love you. But that's where the struggle begins. We don't know how much he loves us because we don't know him like he wants us to. Am I making any sense this morning? I read through the Psalms. Man, you talk about the love letter on fire. You see, what I've just outlined, this freedom of love means that we have to have a choice to or not to love, a choice to or not to follow, a choice to or not to obey. Ladies and gentlemen, in the Garden of Eden, we find that man used all of his freedom of choice and love. Listen to how he took it. He said, I choose not to love God. I choose to follow my own desires, and I choose not to obey your voice. And we have been dealing with the consequences ever since. Say, Pastor, what do we do? I was hoping you would ask. Number three, God's always there, folks. To be victorious, we got to always run back to him. You got to always Run back to him. You say, Pastor, how do I know to run back to him? You get to know the God that loves you. God still today is saying, just return to me. I, I, I was working on this, and I, it, it was almost vividly God took me back to, to uh, Samson. Samson is, is tied between these two pillars. At the time, the strongest man that ever lived the Bible says that he, he killed thousands with the, with the jawbone of a donkey. The King James Version uses another word, but I'll just use the, don- the donkey. And, and he's, God used him to do incredible feats. But then he got all about himself, and he started doing it his own way. And now he's tied between these two pillars. His eyes are burned out. His hair is shaved off, but it started growing back because the Bible says he took a Nazarite vow when he was born. 
And part of that vow was never to shave his head. Everything he was told not to do, he did, which is why he was in the place. But listen to this. God loved him so much in spite of himself. Samson's tied between those two pillars. And he can't see anything. He's blind. But he's hearing this party, thousands of the Philistines. And he looked up to heaven through those dead eye sockets. And you know what he said? God, remember me. God never forgot him. Even when he did his worst, God was just waiting for him to cry out that God could do his best. And we know the story. He pulled the pillars down, and in his death, he destroyed more than all of his life. There's a young man we only know as the prodigal son. You talk about a guy that had the choice and chose not to love, not to follow, not to obey. He said, Dad, I want all my stuff now. I want all my inheritance now. And his father gave it to him. He said, okay. And the Bible says there in Philippians, or Luke chapter 15, it's on the screen. I'm not going to take the time to read it. That the boy came to his senses in what I call the hog pen of life. He was feeding the hogs and they were eating better than he was. And he came to his senses. My dad's servants eat better than this. I know. I'll go back and I'll tell him I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I'm not even worthy. Church, listen to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're at right now. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. Man, every time I stand up, God, I just fall flat on my face one more time. And God says, I'm not worried about all that. He said, I, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say, you know, make me like one of your hired servants. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'll just serve. I'll scrape. I'll do whatever. Dad, just give me a place. And the Bible says in Luke 15, read it. While he was still a yet a long ways off. You know how the father knew his son was coming? Because he never stopped waiting for him to come home. When you and I blow it, Dad's always there saying, I know he's coming. He's got to be just around the bend. And you say, well, how did he know he was yet afar off? Oh, it might have been the way he was walking. Maybe he had a, a limp or something that Dad recognized. Or maybe he had, a, he had a, some way of, of carrying himself or whatever. But the Bible says while he was yet a far way off, his dad saw him and ran to him. You know what he's telling you? I never stop loving you. I never stop thinking about you. I never stopped. And you know what happened? As soon as he saw him, he said, guys, bring the best robe and put it on his back. Oh, bring my signet ring and put it on his finger. My son who was blind, now he sees. He was lost, now he's found. He was dead, now he's alive. God's hope is that your life and mine would become the plan that he originally created before the fall. God's help is that you and I, that he'll come into our lives and help us with the confidence, the security, and the faith. God's heart is for you to get where you once were when you first met him. And get to know the love and the mercy of God. Jeremiah 9, 24, look what it says here. Let a man glory in this, that he knows and understands me. That I want to exercise loving kindness, judgment, mercy, grace. As the worship team comes, I want to read something to you. It's not in your notes. Put your notes away. This is something I found back in the 70s. Actually, 80, about 81 uh, is when I found this. 
And I want to read it to you. And I want you to listen to it because this is talking about the God that I've been talking about all morning. This is talking about the one that loves you more than you will ever imagine until you begin to imagine how much he loves. Until you enter into that arena of saying, God, you're my God. I want to know you. Let me share some words. He is the one who made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love and no far-seeing telescope can ever bring into visibility the coastline of the shoreless mercy, love, and supply. You know what I'm about to tell you? You can trust him. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong and entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast and he's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful and impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of the world. He is God's son. He is the sinner's savior. He is the centerpiece of civilization. What am I trying to tell you? Church, you can trust him. He doesn't have to call for help. And no one can confuse him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He stands alone in the solitude of himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in higher criticism. Listen to me, church. He is the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of the spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good. What am I trying to tell you, church? You can trust him. Listen to me. He can satisfy all your needs and he can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he sees. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leopard. He forgives the sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He regards the ages. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. I'm trying to tell you, you can trust him. This is the God that wants you to get to know him. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. He is the key to knowledge. He is the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness and the gateway to glory. He's the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, the head of the heroes, the leader of the legislators, the overseer of the overcomers. He is the governor of the governors, the prince of pieces, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. Church, you can trust him. And if you will allow me, if you will allow me one more thing. His office is manifold. His promises are sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I wish I could describe him, but he is indescribable. Why? Because he's incomprehensible. He's irresistible because he's invincible. He can't, you can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Pilate couldn't stand him when he found he couldn't stop him and Pilate couldn't find fault in him and the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies agree. Listen, church, Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't keep him and thank God the grave couldn't hold him. There is no one before him. There'll be nobody after him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. You can't impeach him and he ain't gonna resign. You can trust this God. You can trust this God. Get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know him. Your life will never be the same. I talked to you about my morning time with God. And this song kind of outlines, outlines it.
folks, I can't do what I'm doing without him. This woman, that's my wife. If it wasn't for God in my life, she wouldn't have any hope. Except in her relationship with God. I'm talking about in me. Everything I do, everything I am, everything I ever hope to be is because almost 40 years ago, I began to know this God. And every day I try to get to know him better. What about you? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.